freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Huard, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Huard and Mike Salk. Well, we do miss you, Shannon Dreyer, who takes a few moments to join us now here on Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and of course the Seattle Sports app as well. It was it was a really good week down there, Brock. We really enjoyed our time and uh, got to see a lot with this team and I think have a much better sense. Ask simply because everybody keeps coming over, right? Like, oh, hey, uh, you know, are they going to be good? They, everybody seems to have, want that question answered. Are they going to be good this year? And I just kind of keep giving the same answer. Well, they were good last year, and they got better. I mean, just simple as that. They were a good team last year, and they got better. So I, I don't know what that means or whether or not they're definitely going to win more games or go farther in the playoffs, et cetera. But very simply stated, they were a good team last year, and they got better. I think that uh, a good team is easy to answer. Yeah, they're going to be good. Or they're going to be great. Right. That's, that's the question. That, that's you know, good to great. The book written years ago by Jim Collins. That's the next step. Well, if you want to do that, you're going to need your young pitchers to continue to grow. So let's bring on Shannon Dreyer, who joins us. We miss you, Shannon. Nice to have you, uh, though, still uh, with us throughout the week at 8 o'clock. Tell me about the young pitchers, because both of them, both Logan Gilbert and George Kirby, got beat up a little bit in their first starts. Yeah, you know what I make of that? I mean, A, it's a first start, but B, I do think that the pitch clock is having an impact on guys. You can't not notice it. And they've all said that they have, you know, they had an eye on it, but they also know it didn't, it didn't have anything to do with anything, but they've all mentioned being very aware of where they were in the pitch count in the pitch clock and realizing that they had more or less time that they could play with. So I think a lot of that, you know, it's a first outing. I think the pitch clock is the first couple of times is different for them, and I don't really put too much on it. Uh, Since we left, I think some other players have started to leave, right, Shannon? Have we seen some of the exodus for the WC, more of the WBC players? Yeah, they're, they're all gone now. They're all with their respective teams. And has that changed any of the feeling around the environment at all? I know they're more than prepared for this, and I, but I'm just kind of curious. Without Julio, without some of some of that, some some of the difference makers that 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 are out of the building, any different tone or tenor? Well, I kind of felt the camp was kind of empty this morning, and I thought it might be because you guys weren't out right. there doing the yeah. show. But I think yeah. that you're probably right. Um, you know, I think it's what it's going to basically do is just give guys opportunities. I, I don't think anybody's worried about them being away. Uh, some of them will come back quicker than others. Everybody knows what you need to do to get ready. I asked Scott Service uh, last Friday, hey, do they have marching orders? Do you send them away with player plans? Do you check in? And he basically said that they all know what they're supposed to do. We all know that spring training is way too long. And the only concern, other than the obvious, which is injury, is you just want to make sure that if they're pitchers, they they keep up with their arm routines. And if they're hitters, they get some at-bats. And and that's about it. And as far as the camp goes, uh, I think that there will be a little bit of a different energy and that you will have the opportunity to see some other guys. And then I think you'll also be able to have the opportunity to see some other guys in other roles. Cooper Hummel's been mainly catching. You might see him in the outfield a little bit right now. I know they wanted to see Sam Haggerty in center when Julio was gone, 
but they've slowed things down with him, and that's something that we have to keep an eye on. So uh, I, I don't think that it's going to have a big impact. You just want to you know, get him back healthy. I do think that the team's going to have fun watching. They do watch these games when they're on. You hear them making comments about their teammates and everything else that is going on, but it, it's pretty much business as usual. Uh, there aren't a lot of position battles on this team or roster spots to be won or lost, but as you kind of go through it, it does look like Cooper Hummel, who you just mentioned, might be in a battle for that last spot with Tommy Listello, who we haven't seen yet. How do you see that shaken out here over the course of the next few weeks? I think it's a big wild card because I think you also have to throw in the fact that uh, they could still have a move in them. You know, not a big one, but maybe that action, you know, last guy on the bench, maybe that that Lestella role, if that's not going in the direction that they want it to go in. I know that Jerry DePoto, one of you asked if he was a couple of weeks ago, if he was still, if there was still trade activity, if there was still talk, and he said yes. And I've heard the same. I've heard that there's a thought that they will add somebody that will be on that roster before the end of spring. So I think it's a really tough one to call. But you know, as I told you last week, it's a situation to keep an eye on. We were, I asked about Dylan Moore and when we would see him uh, a couple of days ago, and all of a sudden that's getting pushed back a little further. And Sam Haggerty, that is a concern. Now, middle infield to me is about the only concern point that you have on this team, and those guys are getting kind of pushed closer and closer to when you really need them to get going to be ready on time. So I wouldn't be surprised in the least if they're really looking for somebody that could back up at those positions. Shannon, who is a player or two? As you just said, this WBC provides opportunity for others. So who is a player or two that could most capitalize on the absence of some of these and the at-bats or the innings that they may see? Is there a guy or two in particular that that comes to your mind? Wow. Um, You know, I think that there are young guys that will get eyes on them more. Uh, You know, Jonathan Classe is one, and he's still a couple of years away from the big leagues, but he's going to get that experience, and he's a player that they need to learn a little bit more about. He's five foot eight outfielder with speed and power. If it sounds impossible, it's not. That's that's what he did at Modesto last year with uh, stolen bases and with home runs and a, a decent uh, controlling the zone as well. Um, you know, Hummel is in, interested in getting into the outfield. And I think the others, you know, there are a lot of, um, you know, kind of placeholder types. I think you're going to see a lot of Leonis Martin out in the outfield, uh, kind of trying to think who else is out there. I think any innings that you can get as a reliever are good innings. I think especially now with the pitch clock that uh, Diego Castillo is going to lose some innings, and I think that that will benefit some others as well. And I think it's going to benefit Castillo to be at the WBC and the other players to be playing in games that to them, very much count and uh, it's just kind of a different feel when you're playing for your country and uh, it's good that they're getting that experience is there a pitch clock in the bases bigger are all the mlb rules in play in the wbc or no no and that is a little bit of a concern that they'll be away from that for a bit and then come back to it but those uh, rules i will uh, would imagine will be incorporated in the next wbc but um, those are just major league baseball rules right now and they're going kind of with the more traditional rules that you see elsewhere Hey, Shannon, who's got the best new pitch? Of all the new mm. pitches that have been debuted, who, who's mm. do we have the most excitement about as of now? Let's run through those. We well, got Robbie's right. what, splitter. Robbie's got a splitter. You got the ghost forkball that Logan's throwing. Marco's throwing a changeup or a splitter? Slider. A slider. slider. Right, he's slider. throwing a slider. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diego Castillo is now throwing a changeup. Uh, Kirby's throwing something as well. So you got a bunch of new pitches. Splitter. Yeah, so what's yeah, yeah. what's the most promising new pitch? 
Uh, Matt Brash has his cutter as well. Yeah, you haven't heard much about that. Uh, We did find out Matt's not going to play against the Mariners on Thursday, which is too bad when Team Canada faces the end. You know, the one that when I talk to uh, Mariners front office people, the one that they're most excited about is the Logan Gilbert splitter. And that, that gives him just a different dimension, especially coming from that from uh, the release point that he has, that ball breaks and gets on you so quickly. That's going to be just nasty for him uh, if he's able to command it and be comfortable with it. And it, it would appear that he is getting there. Scott Service was very excited about the changeup that Castillo threw yesterday, and that makes a lot of sense, giving him a little extra help against the lefties. And, you know, the others, I, I just keep having people tell me, you don't want to add too much. I mean, if you are going to add a pitch, it needs to be something that's really going to complement what you have and in some cases even be better than what you have. So I don't think there's a ton of excitement about the other pitches. I don't think they want the, their pitchers to be getting away from what they do because they're concentrating on these other pitches. And with all that said, I thought Robbie Ray's splitter looked really good over in Mesa, too, so I'm curious about that. But the one that is the standout right now, I think there's no question, is Gilbert. Shannon, I miss you. Yes. I miss, I miss you, and I, I miss being down there. I'm very sad. Sh- Shannon, can I ask you, and answer it honestly, all right? We broke bread oh, at Top Golf together. Like, we, we really had a breakthrough, I felt like. And I just, and just be point blank honest, okay? I, I can handle coaching. I'm the son of a coach. The 509 texted and said, I need to learn to be a professional. <laughs> Was I too amateur in, down there in Peoria? You can be honest. I think, well, you are a professional, though, aren't you? And so I think you were uh, a very entertaining professional at Top Golf. It was absolutely what? priceless. <laughs> no, no, do not change a thing, please. Okay. Oh, wow. Thanks. That's a, that's a heady endorsement. <laughs> thanks, Shannon. From the I great Shannon Durant. Wait, no, no. That was worth no. the price alone. Salk's turn, Shannon. <laughs> How do you feel about Salk? What? <laughs> What do you mean? Okay, silence speaks volumes. Thank you, Shannon. Who was accused of being immature? (laughs) Great coach. Great coach. Thank you, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. We miss you. Goodbye. I just said nice things about Shannon. Now you're trying to instigate more. That's not right. Hey, do we want to keep Shannon at this eight o'clock? Yeah, we're gonna do it all week. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're gonna do this all week, and then next week uh, the time changes, so we're probably gonna have to change it to a different time of the day. But I like just checking in every day with what's going on in spring training. I do too. Although I think at some point we'll have Bob and Dave down there, so maybe we'll check in with them. A couple of times sure. as well. I think we could get the sponsor. Top Golf, you listening? How about a little <laughs> Top Golf like... and Culver's? Yeah. Yeah. Either one. Either one. We're Opportunity trying. Awaits. We're working hard at these things. <laughs> All right. Uh, good stuff from Shannon. And uh, yeah, we'll keep you updated on what's going on from spring training with her. We'll do a little bit more Mariners coming up at nine o'clock as we have some buy sell. Entirely Mariners driven uh, at nine o'clock this morning. All right. Back to some football, including I want to have a real conversation with you, Brock, about two or three different things that are all happening at once. There's all kinds of breaking news in the NFL today. We'll get you caught up on all of it next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, salesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Man, there's just a lot going on in the NFL today. So let's start here. Everyone is getting cut. <laughs> Bud Salar du- cap, man. Bud Dupree is going yep. to be let go. That's a pretty good pass rusher who was going to make $17 million 
in uh, Tennessee. Leonard Floyd was going to be cut. It sounds like Jalen Ramsey is going to be cut. Brandon Cooks is going to be cut. Bobby Wagner, we already know, is going to be cut. Eric Hendricks is going to be cut. Another linebacker. So with all those guys hitting the market, David Carr, excuse me, Derek Carr, is going to be off the market. He is signing a four-year deal to go to New Orleans. So an incredibly busy morning right now in the NFL. Uh, This is what happens when you buy on that old credit card. And you can move those numbers around, and you can pay the minimum payment for a while, and then ultimately it comes bust. Right? I mean, ultimately, it, that bill comes due. And for the Rams, that bill is coming due. And after a horrendous season and no draft capital, they're they're rebuilding and trying to reload. And they're going to have to do so, it looks like, without the Jalen Ramseys and the Bobby Wagners and the Leonard Floyds. And It's a good thing and, they have no draft picks. Yep. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, like, it's going to get even more complicated. And I know them. people get frustrated. And yeah. I know over the years we've heard a lot of frustration. Yeah, I'm talking to you, boy, howdy about how the Seahawks show restraint and they never spend and they over never overspend and they, they you know manage this cap and they don't put themselves and and go for it right we all want go for it just go for it on every fourth down Pete just go stop being conservative just go for it go big well when you do you can go bust and the Rams right now certainly look like they're about to go even more bust. Well, in the meantime, the Seahawks do have decisions to make. Geno Smith, the trade, the franchise tag deadline, rather, is tomorrow. So what will they do? By all accounts, they seem unlikely to use the franchise tag on him, preferring instead to let him test the market. And then we're just coming off the combine where Anthony Richardson certainly became the story. A broad jump of 10 Nine and here he is running a forty-yard dash and oh my goodness, wow. it is full Moses Malone. Four, 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 four. Remember, that's sort of the laugh that people were giving Julio last year when he was just being ridiculous. Like, oh my god, that's uh, kind of the Anthony Richardson treatment or over DK, the weekend, right? I mean, it was, DK did the same thing. Honestly, it's six four two forty four. If he would have done that as an edge rusher, with all of his numbers, unbelievable linebacker, unbelievable. Uh, tight end, unbelievable. I mean, honestly, just uh, you could plug those numbers in a corner. It's just about any other position, and you'd be like, whoa, this guy is just different than the rest. Here's the second thing you need to know. Best thing we saw yesterday was this. Next swung on high drive, center field. Just going to watch that baby get out of here over the batter's eye. J.K. Jared Keldick with a home run. Wow, his fourth of the season, there was no doubt about that one. 5 nothing, Seattle. It's another cannon shot for Jared Kelnick. Brock his spring training numbers this year. Hitting 412, four home runs, OPS over 1,100. I mean, and, he, and those home runs are all going to either. They're sprayed. Right, they're going to center field. They're going yep. to left field. Yep. This one came off an all-star reliever. I mean, like. He's not. He's he's doing everything he's supposed to do. No, this is not just pull happy. You're you're not just seeing him all of a sudden try to pull everything and hit it 400 feet to right field. This is this is what you wanted to see. This is what I clamored for last year, mm-hmm. man. You're a great athlete, right? You you might be pound for pound. Not might be. You're one of the top three pound for pound athletes in that entire organization. Put the ball in play, man. Spray the ball. Move the ball around so you can use that speed on the base pass. And then ultimately, yeah. When you get a cookie, man, go crush it. And it's, I don't i don't know how much of a better start. Right now, much more importantly, will be a month from now. 
Give me this kind of start when the regular season oh. happens and look out. You almost want him to go cold for a little while now so that he's ready to get hot again by the time the season actually begins. By the way, really nice start again yesterday for Chris Flexen, who we watched while we were down there last week. That's two in a row. I think he's gone five scoreless. So, again, I don't know whether it's a real competition for that fifth and final starting rotation spot, but if there's a real competition, Flexen's sure making it interesting. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, they lost three games in a row over the trade deadline time. You're like, geez, I hope the Kraken aren't about to completely drop out of this thing. And instead, they come back and win four in a row, including an overtime job yesterday. Kraken had the puck, I believe, the whole overtime to this point. Now, Yanni Gord is in. He scores! Hey, hey, what do you say? It was a nice finish from Gord, but honestly, the pass from Vince Dunn is what made that play. Just sent him in alone. Pretty darn cool. What do we make, Brock, of the fact that they didn't do anything during the trade deadline? Ron Francis didn't want to pay the steep prices for rentals, but he also didn't capitalize on those steep prices either. It's a risk. He's not making his team better in one either for now or for later, and that always makes me a little bit nervous. Well, you're sitting at 78 points, two behind the Kings, four behind the Knights in that Pacific Division. You continue to separate yourself from Calgary at just 67 points and i told you you can write this narrative you can write the narrative either way whatever they're going to do and here's the narrative boys they like what we have in the locker room boys we can go do this thing and you have shown us whether it was the road trip before the all-star break or every time when you get doubted you bounce back i like what we have here and I like what we have coming in the future as well. And we are not going to mortgage that nor sacrifice it. Well, the one best thing they could get at the deadline would be Andre Burakovsky back. And it sounds like they're going to be a few weeks away. But remember, he was their leading scorer when he was hurt about a month ago. Hey, what do you got going tomorrow night? You want to go, go watch those guys? They're at home. You got the Ducks coming to town. I'm coming into town. You want to, want to go? To- do I want to? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Don't take All much right. to convince me. Okay. Just check and see whether or not I'm free and whether or not I have to drive kids around the city, but I mean, it doesn't take I mean, whole. you have been out for like 10 days. Right. You were out kind of. Right. So I, I got to go see where what my responsibilities what are. What do we call that when you had all your time, your free time? When like the uh, summer of Salk. Summer of Salk. Yeah. You kind of had the spring of Salk. Well, for like I had a couple of free days. days, which yeah. was nice. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, no, now I'm... Uh, you know, I'm I'm back. I'm I'm here doing my thing. Yeah. I went out for for breakfast with uh, Heather yesterday because our kids weren't back yet. There's an epidemic problem in this in this country, and I and I feel as uh, an aficionado and and quite frankly as a Jewish person mm-hmm. that I need to help. Mm-hmm. What's going on with bagel places? Just throwing so much cream cheese onto your bagel that you can't possibly eat it all. Mm. We were having two problems with bagel shops, and I, and I love a good bagel. I love to go to the bagel shop. There's a few decent ones around Seattle. But you get two problems. One, no one's toasting them enough, which fits in Seattle, like with the undercooked pizza stuff. It's Everyone seems to like it soft instead of toasty. Okay, fine. But I can just ask for that to be double toasted. What is going on with the amount of cream? So Heather and I each got a bagel with cream cheese yesterday. Mm-hmm. With the amount of cream cheese we each scraped off our bagels just to be able to eat them normally, wow. we had a tub of cream cheese. Wow. They are putting on an extra tub. They're just being gracious for and two generous. bagels. Take it home. That is too much, Take man. Take it home. That is too much. Giving the people what they want. No, yeah. nobody wants that much. I, I am. Next time I'm going to bring a tub with me, Should. scrape it off, and I'm going to have cream cheese for another week. It's insane. I'm going to try locksmith bagels next time. Where is that? Uh, it's one of West Seattle, one of Beacon Hill. Okay. We were at Rubenstein's, which is pretty good. It's over uh, on uh, 6th Ave, kind of South Lake Union area, because I was getting my hair cut over there. But I just... 
It's too much. Nobody can eat that much much cream cheese. It's too much cream cheese. All right. Coming up next. (laughs) Sorry. What is happening? That's exactly what that was. I know. Yeah, I was realizing it halfway through. Uh, We'll get back to the Mariners at 9 o'clock. We've got some buy, sell. Brock, big breaking news in the NFL today. What does it mean for the Seahawks who have the ultimate decision to make? That's next. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Jeremy Fowler writes this weekend, Brock. The potential Seahawks contract with Geno Smith could be in the three-year range and would aim to reward the quarterback for his excellent play while also helping Seattle manage its cap. With the tag deadline looming, Smith can wait for the Jones situation to shake out the quarterback market. The expectation is Seattle will be patient here. So while I expect a deal to be reached relatively soon, the Seahawks could slow play this a bit. Smith's best fit is Seattle. So both sides should be able to find common ground. He tied Jones for sixth in the NFL and QBR and threw 30 touchdown passes last mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is very reasonable. It makes a, a ton of sense. And if I was asked and tasked to write something, Right. And I don't know how many words that is, a couple hundred words. That's probably what I would say, too. And, you know, this this word fit is pretty fascinating. Right. Who who defines the best fit? Is that Gino defining that? Because I think Gino is going to say and I'll tell you, if you want Gino back to Seattle and you are all in on Gino and you want to pay Gino whatever, you know, you want paid. I think the biggest concern and lurking team out there is Tampa Bay. Mm. Because. I think you could easily argue and say, hey, hold on a second. How do you know Seattle's the best fit? That's you defining that. I think Gino and his agent would say, the best season of my career, and, and, I, and I've told this story a lot, but it comes you know, to my older brother, Damon. And Damon would tell you that the breakthrough season he had, he was the number two rated passer in the NFL. Number two. When Trent Green went down with a concussion, and I think he started the last like 14 games for the Chiefs, phenomenal. And Damon would tell you, yeah, that was the best fit. It was a great O-line. Priest Holmes was a great running back. And, and some of the other people they had on the perimeter and the system was all great. But he would also say his QB coach by the name of Terry Shea was as instrumental as anyone because he believed in him. And he was the first incredibly positive voice. He didn't have that at the University of Washington. Didn't necessarily have that uh, in, in Miami. Uh, he did to a degree. Certainly didn't have that in New England because <laughs> there was a guy named Tom Brady, but he went there. And Charlie Weiss didn't have that kind of makeup, but, but Terry Shea did and just totally empowered and poured into him and believed in him. And he went out there and had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. And I think, Gino, if you're going to talk about fit, why is Seattle a better fit than Tampa Bay? Why, you know, just because he's done it here. I mean, Shane Waldron and all that. I mean, it's not just the quarterback coach. I mean, like, he did it here with the offensive coordinator and the coach and the teammates and everything else, and they believed in him for Mm -hmm. a long time. There's a lot of comfort here. So, uh, no, I I understand why Seattle's the best fit. I'm just surprised why nobody else seems to fit at all, right? I mean, a guy who was sixth in QBR last year and no one in a quarterback-hungry league seems to want him at all? Doesn't that make you a little nervous? There's something about this that does, I will admit, make me a little nervous. Why are the Seahawks the only team interested in this guy? Why is it he not being talked about everywhere else? And maybe that'll work to their advantage when, you know, the league shows them that there's not much of a market for his services. And then the Seahawks say, see, we're going to get you a $25 million, and that will be a great win for them. Mm-hmm. But isn't it weird that there's nobody else that seems to want your quarterback who's coming off a great year? Shouldn't everybody want him? 
Remember that cut from John Schneider? And I don't think he was being a, a, a jerk about it. I think this was even before the John Schneider show that you hear every Thursday with Bob and Dave. This was like when he joined them you know, before the actual show got announced. And he said, hey, listen, I, I've known Gino a long time. We've had a lot of conversations. There were times in Gino's career in off seasons prior, Mike, where he was thinking about the CFL because nobody wanted him. Right, because he had ran through multiple organizations, right? He had been with the Jets and he had been with the Giants and he had been with the Chargers and he had been a backup up in, in Seattle. And, and when the market came calling, nobody came calling other than him coming back to Seattle and to the place and Pete that, that empowered him and believed in him even more. I mean, so the, should it be ter- that terribly surprising? Yes, it is that, surprising. That when he hit the market over the previous few years and nobody yeah, really nobody showed wanted any then, interest? But he hadn't done anything then. There was no reason to look at Geno Smith any differently then. He was the guy who had busted out in New York, New York, and San Diego. Now you look at him and say he's had shown incredible success over an, over an NFL season. Why is there not a market for his services? Heading into the offseason, I was convinced that there were multiple teams that would be very interested in his services. And instead, there are almost none. In a league where quarterback play is important, where finding elite quarterbacks is near impossible, why isn't anyone interested in acquiring Geno Smith? And all I can come up with is the league doesn't want to pay a premium for good. They don't want to pay a premium for a good player. They're willing to pay a premium for great players. They're willing to pay a premium for the best of the best, but they don't want to pay a premium for good. And does that worry you I, if you're yeah. the Seahawks that that's how the other 31 teams view your guy that you're planning on signing? Yeah, I don't think they worry too much about what others think. I think their draft picks and, and their developmental game over 12 years has spoken to that. But I'll give you three reasons as you kind of ask that question aloud. My mind goes in three different directions here. Number one, Salk, you don't really know that. You could say nobody's interested, but you don't really I know don't, nope. what's going on behind the scenes, right? Because, True. yeah, I mean, with, with the guy that was actually free, and that was Derek Carr until this morning, yeah, you saw a lot of teams attached to him. You see a lot of other teams attached to Daniel Jones. I'm not hearing a lot of other teams attached to him, right? That You see a little bit with Jimmy G and a few of the others, but we don't, A, we don't really know that. Secondly, I think part of the reason is this is a talented draft class. That unlike last year, mm-hmm. right? If if Gino, if this had all happened a year ago, and with this impending draft class of last year, where Kenny Pickett was in the twenties and not another first rounder, and there weren't just the tools to check every box, Matt Corral was little, and Malik Willis was also little, and and not terribly productive and inaccurate. So I do think the fact that you have Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, and now two others in Levis, and and Anthony Richardson, the biggest star of them all, coming out of this combine, go okay, yeah, these are these are four guys. These are four toolsy difference-making guys that we can build around. That's number two. And then the last one, and I don't even think I've mentioned this over two months, and it really didn't come to my mind until you started to lay that out. The last one's Russell Wilson. I know how this league thinks and how they work, and sometimes it can be very narrow, and sometimes it can be very broad. And the very narrow-minded would say, geez, yeah, maybe there is something about that system. Look at Russell Wilson and what he had up there in Seattle. And look at when he had, you know, DK and Tyler and those guys and those tight ends mm-hmm. and the head coach that knows how to play the game, right, and keep these games competitive and close. And you took Russell out of there and you got exposed, right? You know, those maybe maybe the rest of the league realizes what there is in Seattle. 
And man, there's two really good young tackles, and there's two really good wide receivers. I mean, maybe. And there's a thousand yard back, and there's three tight ends, and there's a system that builds up its QBs. So, you know, th- that last one feels like a little bit of a stretch. I'm not saying none of those things are true, but it does seem odd that there's not much of a market developing right now for Geno services. And, you know, it, it does make me nervous as you go through this. I got a text here from 253. Incredible success. You're dumb, Salk. Gino had a good half a year. Okay. If I take that, as, if you're right, aren't you worried about them paying him? Like, I mean, that's my point. Yeah. Is that the league doesn't seem to believe in whatever success he had. The league sees it your way, 253. At least as of right now, the league thinks I'm dumb, which is fine. Well, we did hear from Albert Breer that the that he was on the list for the Jets. And with Derek Carr signing elsewhere and reports mm-hmm. that Aaron Rodgers could stay put, do you think that there's, there's one the team increases? There is one team that has put him fourth on their list of, of possible fits <laughs> and which Brock immediately poo-pooed as being mm-hmm. an absolute non-starter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Albert Breer, my buddy, did have him on there, and maybe he does go back to New York. But it, it's still surprising to me that given half the league is in need of a quarterback, no one seems to have any interest in your guy that had just, you know, had coming off a, a, a good because, year. Because the majority of this league right now, okay, it, it is a right now. It is a not-for-long okay. league with your job and just the nature of the beast. Like the so you're most telling of, me all of these on. coaches who are in a, in a right-now job don't want a proven quarterback over a young one? Well, that word proven again. Well, proven pro- for what? Proved proven for half a season? Proven, yep. All proven right, well, with good talent around then why him? Are the, then why are the Seahawks so interested? Then why are we sitting here saying well, if this they is were, what you need? Hold on, hold on if a those second. those are all real arguments, then why do you want them so bad? Hold on. If they were, quote-unquote, so interested, they would franchise him because they'd be so terrified to lose him, and then they would work a deal out. So that's your first little tell. If they were, quote-unquote, so interested – like Baltimore is going to be so interested in in Lamar or at least getting multiple first-round picks and, mm-hmm. and a huge haul and everything else. If you were so interested, you would franchise him. True. You you would not want him out the door. You would not – you and then you would buy yourself more time to work on a deal and get everything done and take care of the draft and all the other pieces. So if you were so interested, I think you would franchise him in the next 24 hours. So this is the first little – yeah, we really like him. And I'll tell you this, man, if if you were to – Pin me down and, and say, okay, 12 years. You've been around John and Pete. Characterize John Schneider. What, what are a couple of the, the words that immediately come to mind? I think both risk-taking and patient simultaneously. Mm-hmm. He's willing to take risks, Jimmy Graham and Percy Harvin and the Marshawn Lynch in the multitude of trades. He's willing to trade and take risks. He is also, along with this capologist, Matt Thomas, they also have a patience that you and I don't have, that many others don't exhibit. And when they've got a number and they've got a, a plan, sorry, Paul Richardson. Sorry, Golden Tate. Sorry, Jared Allen. Sorry, other free agents that have come and visited. Yeah, I, I, I get yeah, We show pretty right strong restraints yep. with what they do from and, a business and maybe, perspective. And maybe this works out at the end. They get Gino as a steal. And maybe nobody else really is interested. And they give him $15 million a year with incentives. And we're like, oh, my God, that's the ultimate coup. But I, 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 I kind of have this thought that I want them to go in one of two directions with their quarterback. And I do think that there's an element of Geno that is in between. Mm-hmm. He's a little in between. It's one thing if you want to go with a super cheap quarterback and a different model and try to, you know, find an opportunity to spend that money elsewhere and get better elsewhere and develop another Geno. I get that. 
I also get the, hey, we're going for it, man. We're going to take a top five quarterback, and we think Richardson's going to be that guy, and we're willing to risk everything in order to, you know, get somebody that can take us over the top to the promised land to win a Super Bowl. And maybe we signed Drew Locke back on a two-year deal mm-hmm. as a veteran that's been through it five years, so Anthony's not starting day one, I mean, but th- maybe starting game 10. Doesn't that make some sense? It, 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 the, I like Gino. This is, I know people hear this and think I don't like Gino. It's not really the case. I just I want the Seahawks to win a Super Bowl. I don't want them to make the playoffs. I don't want them to go 10 and 7. I want them to go 14 and 3 and win the Super Bowl. What's the best way to do that? Okay, well, let me give you. Is it Geno Smith for $25, $30 million a year, and you spend that draft pick on, you know, an incredible defensive player, and you also get Leonard Floyd or whomever, and now you're, you're, is that enough? That going to make you a 14 and three team? It's going to make you better. I really believe that would make you better than you just were. Okay. Is that going to make you 14 and three in a dominant presence? Tell me these, tell me what you'd rather have. You ready? Yeah. Tell, tell me. Here's a little. Here's a little. A little exercise that just comes to mind as we're talking through this and some of the news of, of the new league you're beginning and some of these cap casualties around the league. You tell me. You tell me what helps you win a Super Bowl faster in Pete's next couple years. That at uh, number five, you take Tyree Wilson, or you trade down to eight and you take Tyree Wilson at, at number eight. And you take a, another D tackle at number twenty, and you do sign Geno to an extension and you, and you get it done with them and it's somewhere in the range of 25 to 30 million, but you, you know, moved around. So it's not as big a hit in this first year and you Mm -hmm. get that all done. Or do you want Anthony Richardson at number five? You sign Drew Locke on a two-year, call it $15 million deal. I don't even think it needs to be that much, but Number 20, you still get your D tackle and one of your inside guys. And then you go spend 25, 30 million in cap space to go get Bud Dupree and Leonard Floyd. And now you got Leonard Floyd, Bud Dupree, or, or, or maybe a D-tackle as well. Right. Certainly have other draft picks in the second round to go get an interior lineman and to go get another inside, you know, unique or maybe another, you know, unique edge guy. I mean, which one of those, which one of those feels better? That one. Right, it does. Then, <laughs> I'm, I, because I'm, 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 I'm. It's about winning the Super Bowl. You're right. The safer route is to sign Gino. You'll be good. You'll make the playoffs next year. Sign Gino. Spend a little money on the, you know, or spend some draft capital on the defense. You'll make the playoffs again. I, I believe it. And for Seahawks fans, what are you going to be mad because you make the playoffs? Hard to be mad. But everybody makes the playoffs now in the NFL. They, they're continuing to add playoff teams year after year. We're a couple years away from 24 out of 32 teams making the playoffs in the NFL. Mark my words. The NFL hates for anybody not to make the playoffs. But the goal is not to do that. The goal is to win the Super Bowl. The goal is to be a dominant football team. I, 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 I have been steadfastly against the plan of drafting a quarterback high. So I maybe this is a one-hit wonder for me today, and I'll come back in tomorrow and be back to my senses and say, what the heck was I talking about? I reserve the right to go back on everything I say today. Well, here's what I'm going to do but, for the, you. But, Brock, I want to win a Super Bowl, and yep. if one of these guys – let me play you the Dan Orlovsky sound again because this one has, has really jumped out to me what he's saying about this kid. I want to remove the phrase or the word project from Anthony Richardson. Yeah. I don't see him as that. Mm-hmm. I see him as an opportunity or an investment. This young man is a unicorn. 
I mean, he is uniquely talented with his size, his athleticism, and his natural throwing. When I hear project, I hear, I hear of a guy that you, you got to get him right. better as a thrower and whatnot, or it's mm-hmm. not natural. For, I don't see that with Anthony. I just see a young man that's crazy talented that needs good quarterback coaching. Whoever drafts him, if they have that, and you're patient, you got a superstar, top five player at the position in the NFL. Top five player at the position in the NFL. Before you answer and go on from there, the other thing about Anthony Richardson is that he's not just a physical freak, although he is that. Running his 4440, 200 and what was it, 44 pounds. I mean, he's, he's a physical specimen and he can throw the ball a mile. Oh, by the way, he was incredible in his interviews. I talked to a handful of scouts last night who had been in interviews where they had all four of the top quarterbacks back to back to back. Every single one of them said Anthony Richardson is the best quarterback interview they've had this year. Some of them say he's the best quarterback interview they would have had last year. Really? He is crushing it in the interview portion. What happens behind us on the field is important. It's fun. That's why we're here. But the interviews are why the players are here, and he's crushing it. So if you can win the combine as a quarterback, you do it in these meetings, 15-minute speed dating yeah. that they do, and he's crushing it right That's now. our guy Matt Miller, NFL Draft Scout. And so he's crushing it in terms of the on-field and his physical traits. He's crushing it in terms of how he handles interviews. Here's just the sound of him, in case you want to hear his thoughts on being labeled a project. I don't even know uh, what, that, what that means, project label, but, uh, you know, I'm willing to bring anything, you know, anything, everything that they need from me. You know, I'm going to work hard. You know, I'm going to be dedicated to my craft. You know, I'm just, you know, be a leader in, in, that, in that organization. So uh, just grow and continue to grow. He also has the voice of a 35-year-old, which is <laughs> great, to, great to know. Yeah. So... Brock, I, I throw all that at you and say, do you want to be good or do you want to be great? Um, gosh, as you just rattled those things off in 12 years of thinking about Pete and John, tell me that Anthony Richardson does not check every box. He checks a lot of their boxes, tilts the room, unbelievably skilled. A little bit of an edge. Hmm? People doubt you a little bit, but then you've just got a skill set that just and doesn't, screams at you. And uh, when you think about John and the couple of quarterbacks we've heard him mention in the past, right, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, those are the two. I mean, isn't this kid in a perfect world a combination of those two guys? Big physical running ability like like Josh Allen mm-hmm. and a big arm with some of that Patrick Mahomes ability to spin it. I mean, uh, Brock, you could talk yeah. yourself into this very quickly. Yes, you could. I will say this, too. Two things. Uh, Joel Klatt tweeted this last night. He said, uh, excited to see the QBs today. It was fun to watch, along with almost everyone most intrigued with Andy Anthony Richardson. He could be the best player in the NFL. He could also be out of the league in three or four years. Yep. Right. And, and trying to figure out, you know, maybe a different position. Like it, that's just the reality of the the, the production. I'm going sure to watch. as true now as it used to be, given the ability of NFL offensive coordinators to take advantage of quarterbacks that can run. Are you sure that he has the ability to be out of the year, out of the league in four years? I mean, I get it. Vince Young did that, but you're talking 15, 20 years ago. I mean, Josh Rosen was not a runner, but Josh Rosen was the most quote-unquote skilled, right. the most NFL-ready guy to come into the league. But he was problematic in a million ways, problematic personality. In no way did he tilt the room. What did you call him that made Jim Morris so mad at you? You basically called know. him a quitter, uh, right? An, an you basically called him a quitter, Stop. And he <laughs> and he couldn't run. I get it. Vince Young and a couple of those other guys that we've mentioned have a Jake Locker have bounced out of the league. Mm-hmm. But if he can run, doesn't that prevent some of that? 
Yeah, but but then again, we also know in this game, man, that position, right? Even this year with with runners, you've got to anticipate. You've got to throw with accuracy. When you get third and seven, Mike, you've got to hit DK on that deep cut. Because Josh Allen doesn't do all those things particularly well. Oh, and he's grew. winning. He's gotten better. Yeah, but he doesn't do all – he does not master any of those things, Brock. Uh, that is not yeah. what he majors in, as you like to say. I'm sorry. like, But, but he's grown significantly in that way. Okay. But, yeah, he'll still tuck the ball and put his head down and still make these NFL guys look silly. Yeah. And you know what? This kid at 6'4", 244. What was Josh Allen at the Combine? Justin, can you pop that real quick? Just Or more Josh Allen – combine i i think he's a little bit taller but josh allen was also freakishly faster than many of his cohorts that year surprisingly so he ran a four seven six at what size he's he was a pro he's mean, six five do you hear the fingers yeah do you hear morris fingers right <laughs> yeah, there wow. what you don't know is Happy. that each of those fingers is on a different keyboard stop it jeez that was impressive uh six four two thirty seven at the combine so this guy was... is bigger and faster than josh allen yes Let's just be clear. Josh Allen, who is a moose and essentially impossible to tackle, this yep. guy's bigger and faster. He yep. is much – I mean, he's he's in the Josh Allen, Cam Newton. You mentioned Dante Culpepper earlier. Mm-hmm. And, yes, I'm getting a lot of questions here on the text machine. Salk, have you ever watched him play? Not for one second. I have not watched him play quarterback for a second, which is what's preventing me from, like, fully jumping all in on this with both feet. I've never watched him play. Brock, I listen to you, and you tell me there's a lot of inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Which there is. And I understand it. But but at some point, you have to ask yourself, which is is it worth the risk to try to win a Super Bowl? Or are you going to bring back Geno Smith, which is certainly a lot safer, but maybe doesn't do enough? Look, I don't know, man. I, I was super excited, obviously, about any of these defensive players, whether it's Carter or Will Anderson or whatever. And that might really help. But you're trying to win a Super Bowl. Don't you got to have a, a, a quarterback to do it with? And don't you got to take that big swing? And that's really what you're asking. Don't you got to take that big that big kind of risk? Here's the last thing about this, and, and then we're going to move on for now because we're not done talking about this. We had great calls on it earlier today. If all of this is nothing more than a ploy to make other teams interested, think the Seahawks are interested in Anthony Richardson, and they end up trading away that pick and still get one of the top three defensive players in this draft, and it turns out they don't really like Richardson or Levis or any of these guys all that much, Mm. great. Maybe they can add as much as possible and bring back Geno, and I would be just fine with that scenario. But if this is real, and he's, he's the dude the way it sure looks like he could be based on his measurables, but you have an opportunity to get him at number five, it's getting harder and harder, Brock, for me to think that you have to pass if that's the case. Mm-hmm. All right. Coming up next, uh, getting back to some baseball. The team in town is good, and they've gotten better. We're playing some Mariners buy or sell together next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710, salesports.com.